Well, thank you, Janet Lee, and you're the butterfly queen. All those fingers just going so smoothly over that keyboard. I just sitting back here watching. God bless you. And hello out there, everybody. Well, here we go today. We're, we're going to be treading in some deep water. You remember that story in the Bible where they got out into the water, and then it was up to the ankles. It went a little further, got up to the knees. They went up a little further, it was up to the waist. They went a little further, it was up to the shoulders. They went a little further, it was over their head. They had to swim. Well, I don't know if we'll have enough time to get you there today, but you, we probably will. And uh, so uh, I hope you got a swimming suit on and, uh, and whatever you need to uh, get in the deep waters and swim. So today is a special time. It's Sunday, March 13th, and this is the year 2016. And we're on the subject of Exodus Escape 20. Imagine how many, how many sessions that we have done, and we are on 20 today. And it'll take probably another 10 or more to finish if we, and it won't really be finished, but I mean, it will, it will have a lot to say and open a lot of eyes and ears. And uh, we put for our second part of the uh, accent of the message, the Moses Report of flames over the Petra rock city of Sela. And let me read our broadcast announcement that was mailed out to people, but it's, it's sort of a good thing to go over. In the physics world of the not ordinary vectors of force are differentiated in their count from ordinary vectors of force. What is the summary of count for the not ordinary super vectors of force are double of count that sometimes are even more compared to the ordinary vectors of force. In the spiritual realm, the account is even more different to the physical account because holy ratios are major factors. It is the manifest plan or the manifestor's plan to reveal to the readers and video audience the spiritual accounting counting shown to Moses. And um, made that big brag about doing that. I don't know if we'll get to that today or not. But we'll just get into a lot. Without this knowledge, it's difficult to understand many important things in the Bible. And uh, things about time, things about generations, and many deep mysteries of God in the books of Moses would be difficult to understand as regards the Exodus escape. Last week in my teaching, I revealed about two Mount Sinai's, two covenants, and a partial reveal of the enchanted holy fire of God that is love. There are by those reveals great walls of ignorance coming down, unfulfilled promises and prophecies due to sin and interference of the forces dark have created great voids in the Christian world of knowledge that have been waiting for the priesthood of the Urim and Thummim to stand up comparatively. The Bible says that the coming and appearance of Jesus and his mother had to wait 
until the fullness of time. There then are many different events and occurrences that in the spiritual sense require certain things to be fulfilled before those happenings can proceed. The time of the Gentiles and the time of the Jews, will theater at each of their concurrence and individual, individually select a time. Now, at this time, I bid you come and open your ears to this word. Well, last week when I was sharing with you and I got into this thing about um, the trances and um, I had intended to show an enfolding between the trances, the trance that Peter had and the trance that Paul had. And uh, having that strongly in my mind, sometimes as I uh, breeze through the uh, scriptures, um, I sometimes uh, didn't make it just really 100% clear where I was talking about Peter or where, whether I was talking about Paul. But in this fascinating, episodic experience of these two men of God, there is a parallel that would come very, very close to that term used in science but is also in the Bible called entanglement, where we have spirits that are, are twin, maybe not in every aspects of the characteristics that they represent, but in the aspects of certain um, levels of knowledge, uh, having reached uh, degrees of, uh, of, of the freedom of expression and the freedom of insight and the freedom of cognition to understand uh, many things that a lot of people just don't have the freedom of mind or the freedom of intent or the freedom of desire to achieve. And um, so we're going to go over that today. And uh, you know, because uh, in the end, this is all about intensity, which we could call degrees or different things. And uh, we, 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 talk, we talk about uh, intensities like, for instance, the Holy Ghost and fire. Well, we think of, uh, of the difference of the Holy Ghost and the, and the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> there would be a large number of, of churchmen, church persons, and no doubt some scholars that would have a problem with my translation or interpretation between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I've explained this a few times, but it's well worth going over and making sure people do understand it. <coughs> For instance, the Spirit is like when we're talking about a vessel being filled and and so it talks in the scripture about persons that are filled with the spirit now if you 
can have such a thing as being filled with the Spirit, and it's not some kind of a, a regulated uh, piece and a regulated size, and that it's the same no matter wherever it is put and whoever has it has the same portion, uh, then what I'm talking about now wouldn't make sense and what the Scripture is talking about wouldn't make sense when it talks about being filled. Because it shows when you when you have a scripture like that that th there is a proportionment, and this portion can either fill you uh, or only uh, be a, a given out or allotted a certain amount. The other uh, interference pa uh, pattern is that the size of the vessel or the desire of the vessel, like uh, a person going out to get a, a piece of cake. One person might just take a very, very thin slice, and that's all they want, that, that satisfies them. Another person wants a big hunk of it, and that's what it takes to make them feel like they got the desire of their taste. So the spirit then is more like a fluid, a static type of outpouring, and, and, uh, and it could be in different degrees. Now, when you reach a place where you have the fullness of the Spirit, uh, and uh, it, it is not the fullness of, of someone who only has uh, enough, enough volume uh, for a little teacup, but you've got you know, enough volume there to have the degrees of freedom, of degrees of spiritual freedom uh, that give you the 12 circuits, and then eventually there's actually 24 circuits when you start getting onto the counter side of things, like the, you, you know, the, the, the 12 circuits of day, or the, you know, and the 12 circuits of night, called uh, hours in the, uh, uh, the, the book of Psalms, 19th chapter. And so, as we get into the Holy Ghost, we get into personifications like in the New Testament where it talks about, uh, you know, uh, tongues. They could see tongues of fire uh, or like a dove called the Holy Spirit dove appears. And those are then what we call Holy Ghost experiences. And, and they, are, they are very, very important. So um, um, when we get into that understanding, it's very important uh, to uh, have a knowledge that at that point that you have the Holy Ghost and it's operating and it's epiphanies and uh, you're getting all kinds of what some people might call exotic experiences, there is also that, uh, an and, a, a conjunction that can be put to that. And that is the word fire, the Holy Ghost and fire. So John the Baptist, as I explained last week, he said, I baptize you with water. And that was a ministry, and that was an important ministry because it represented the resurrection and, and, and several other important factors. But he said, the person that comes after me, the Lord, the Son of God, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And I'm, I'm not worthy to even 
stoop to to latch at his shoes. And that understanding is very, very important because um, without getting into understanding those different increments and those different uh, aspects of the degrees of knowledge, you miss out on the manifold revelation. Okay, now let's, uh, let's just go on and make some speedway here because we got some super stuff to do. We talked last week about the Habakkuk, the Habakkuk scriptures in um, chapter 3, 3 through 4. And uh, let, me just, let me just go to that real fast because that is such an awesome, aw awesome scripture. Um, just absolutely awesome. And it's chapter 3, and it starts by saying a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. And uh, in verse 3, it says, God came from Teman. And we, we explained to you what that Teman meant. And the Holy One from Mount Paran. And I said, you know, they put a period here, but remember in the original script, in the original uh, text, there are no periods, no commas, no punctuations. So the word sila comes after it. And I, I uh, prefer to put then those words together. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Now, last week we talked about Teman, how that it, it would mean two coordinates, you know, like the north and the south. And, and if you say, if you just say one or the other, if you say, well, th this is the south, you cannot have the south without having the north. You cannot have the west without having the east. And so you automatically, when you say the one thing, you automatically have the two. And, and, and so we have a, du a dualistic a thing there, a, a twin thing there. And the Holy One from Mount Paran, P-A-R-A-N, Sila. And then let's just say this, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Sila. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of praise. His brightness was as, as the light and had horns coming out of his hand and there was the hiding of his power. And of course, the word for horns can it translates from the Hebrew into rays. And these rays, of course, uh, you know, can be everything from spirit to, to uh, energy uh, and, and many other uh, interesting facets. And um, it goes on in, in number five and talks about the, uh, the pestilent and the burning coals uh, uh, went forth at his feet and um, he stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. Well, don't get the idea. <coughs> don't get the idea that out of his feet came these pestilence. What it means is that 
as his feet are going forth on the land, that the pestilence are, are fleeing from it. And very likely what they're fleeing from is these coals of fire that are energizing from spirit projections that are emanating from his body. And this is, cha this is chasing away the pestilence. Now, that pestilence uh, being an insect or a rodent uh, can mean all kinds of different things. It can mean evil spirits. And so this is a beautiful thing and a beautiful deep revelation about, about that God came from this, this double revelation. There is a dualistic revelation. And we'll come across some names as we get further into this. And, and we'll sort of re go over some of the things we went over last week. And, and his Holy One from Mount Paran and the glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light, and the horns were coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. And this thing about the hiding of his power is so real. There is so much in this beautiful Word of God Bible that has power and impact, and, and, and it's hidden from a lot of people because they don't have the degrees of freedom uh, to access that word, uh, you know, they don't have the de de degrees of of freedom to 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 hear the word and to see the word, and and uh, God wants to uh, develop uh, your character, uh, and and so that the Bible says, let that mind which was in Christ Jesus be also in you. Now, someone might say, well, I wouldn't. I don't think it's meant for us to have the exact mind that Jesus had. We could never have that. But what the main essence of that is, is there is a, a mode and a way and a type of mindfulness. And, and in that mode and way and type of mindfulness, that is what it's saying, let that be in you. That has to do with incorporating desire, uh, desire to to be a Christian, desire to to do right by your neighbor, uh, desire uh, to to love people, to, to to love the whole world as God did. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And greater love has no man than someone that lays down their life for a friend. And so. Those things are, are very, very important. Now, when we start getting into names like Teman and Sela and, and, and Perrin and, and, uh, and some of the other terms we'll get into, you need to remember that in a thousand years from now, the names of nations and the names of borders and boundaries may all be changed. This, we can see right in the Bible how that many, many cities and countries and names were changed. And, and so this, uh, you know, uh, caused a lot of confusion because as, as, as uh, some of the 
authors selected the current name at the time so as uh, to better designate the parcel location, the property location of, of that event or of those people that lived in that particular designated area and used the, you know, that, that more modern name, then along would come some scholar and say, well, you see, this can't be because that particular nation by that name uh, didn't uh, start existence until uh, a certain time. So that would mean that this event would, would not fit because it wouldn't be in the right correlation of time. Therefore, uh, the translations of this are, are not right or, or all kinds of other things they come up with. But a person has to understand when you're reading these different names that they do not represent everything that that name given for it has. You have to go into the root to find out more of all those things. Like, for instance, to find out the name of a former name. And then when you find that former name, you may find that there was another name of another city that was on that same spot of a different nationalities of people. And the name was different. And you, you could go back to several different uh, nationalities or several different uh, descriptions of different names. So, so uh, be very, very careful to not let anyone uh, get you caught into those uh, uh, false circuits of trying to, to prove a point <clears throat> when they're trying to prove a hundredfold point with 30-fold information or 60-fold information. If you're, you don't have the manifold information, then you can't possibly know what the true depth of the subject is. You only know a scratch of it. And by only knowing a scratch of it, uh, if you try to make that the foundational information or projectional information, then it may just absolutely lead you on a wrong path. Okay? <clears throat> so, let's get into these things. You know, we, I, I, I introduced, I said, sometimes when we're talking about uh, things like, um, like a trance, there's a lot of other meanings. Uh, it, can, it can incorporate, it can include the word transport. And, and it could, this could be a, a mental transportation or transport, or it could be a spirit transport. And the manifest terms used to describe that are terms like phototransition and phototranslation. There are, of course, other terms. But it is most interesting as we, we get in, uh, into some of these things um, that um, we look at the word trance. And in the King James Bible, it is only used three times. And the Old Testament time that it was used, in Numbers 24, 4 through 16, referring to Balaam and his vision that he saw of the children of Israel camped out, uh, uh, it was not the same uh, root meaning. And in fact, uh, the word was so unsure 
that the translators that ended up putting the word trance in there uh, did not give any reference number uh, to support the term for trance, for, for trance um, T-R-A-N-C-E, because uh, there was no word there to, to, to really apply it to. But we have then in the New Testament, um, you know, three uses uh, of the word trance, two which are basically about the, uh, the same event that had to do with Peter, only a repeat of, this, of, of the experience. And then the other trance is uh, the trance that had to do with Paul. Now, do you think that's strange? Something that could be in as important as what the word trance could mean? And, and, and as extensive as what it could mean? And that in the whole Bible, this particular meaning of trance is not in the Old Testament, under the term trance, and in the New Testament, it's only referred to two people, Peter and Paul. And it has the same Greek reference of, uh, of uh, 1611 in the Strong's Concordance. And of course, then when you go into the Strong Concordance, you find that uh, those references, like the G for Greek, 1611, uh, then it comes from another, another term. And so those other terms are, are given, uh, and I'm going to give them to you now. Uh, for instance, this word trance um, in the 1611 means displacement of mind. Displacement of mind. Now, if you didn't realize this real spiritual aspect that we're talking about here, uh, you would think, well, you know, that sounds like someone's gone crazy. But then they coin another word with it, which is quite a, a tr an attractive word, uh, ecstasy. So now you've got a displacement of word, and then the question might be, well, you know, where was it displaced to? Well, it experienced an epiphany. It experienced uh, an ecstasy. And it was a displacement. Well, a displacement of what? A displacement of the state. Now, a better way of, of explaining that is go to, to a connected reference that is correlated to 1611 in Greek, which is 1537, E-N-E-K, the word, and it means out of place and time. Now you've got a displacement, and the displacement is out out of time and out of place. It's out of place, it's out of time. Now imagine having an experience called a, tra a trance that is of the nature, it's an, an ecstasy experience, but this is happening through your mind and it's, it's out of the time and out of the place that you are living in. The time that you are in, the place where you are at having the experience is not part of the relevance, not relational, 
to the, the meaning and the reveal of the full intent of that trance. Now in manifest language, we call that sometimes a sub-audition. And the word sub is when you go into this really deep place in your mind. And it's almost like reaching into your subconsciousness. As you go into your subconsciousness, there is a connection to the spirit that is not like the connection when you go into your subconsciousness that you get when you are daily just operating out of your physical brain, out of your physical mind, and still somewhat using aspects of your spirit. <clears throat> so as in the regular cognition, you are experiencing fuzziness. And of course, you're not even maybe aware of that because you're not really knowing how to distinguish anything that's differentiated. But if you'd had a lot of experiences of going into the trance and a lot of experiences of going into that super consciousness of mind, which is a displacement from the time and place that you are now in, at the carriage point, the axle basis of your physical body brain, and you are going down into the subconsciousness level. And that begins to now sound something like the translation of the word trance, displacement of mind, out of place and time. Now get a hold of this next one. This is, a, this is an additional dictionary type of translation. And it's, it's Greek 1839. Now this is from the Strong's Concordance, Greek Dictionary. And it says, out of one's wits, beside one's self. Now, apply that to how some people might just define it. To the experience that Peter had. To the experience that Paul had and say, well, they were out of their wits, they were beside themselves. And that could seem to be very, very negative. Some people might say, that's bad. But when you consider in the deep sense of what these transitions are and the application of that, then there is something beautiful Something good. All my confusion he understood. That's what you get. All of a sudden, something good, something beautiful. And out of one's wits is wits. That's your mind. That's your logic. That's your, you know, cognition. And all of a sudden, that is set apart. It's not destroyed because you're going to need it. But you have this moment in time 
which you just take leave of absence. That moment of the leave of absence and you are just out of that wit of the mind and something that is besides oneself. Well, something that would fit into that idea of beside oneself is this idea about sub subconsciousness or in other terms manifest terms that we use sub audition really like the word sub audition because it has a descriptive aspect to it it's an action word and the audition is uh, when you are characterizing something in the mind, in this sub-addition mind, and it is a new influence or, or a new flow that is coming into you. And 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 you're you're into an audition of that. And and your mind is is be, beginning to interact with it. Your subconscious mind is beginning to interact with it. As it interacts with it, there is a, a memory part that most even scientists are not yet aware of that does have res, a memory reservation in one's solar plexus. And I, when working for some of these people that have, uh, you know, memory problems, I've sometimes... Uh, transferred some of that solar plex memory uh, to their organ in the brain that has long-term memory to uh, help retrain the brain or re readvise the brain on uh, what has gone into um, uh, forgetful sequences. So now then we get into this thing and we find it so absolutely elaborate both from the standpoint of Peter and from the standpoint of Paul. Now, the average person looking at this might not see the parallel might not see the dualistic aspect. Because, once again, this all has to do with the degrees of the framing of the mind and, and the extent of the circuits that allow you to, to get into the interactions and the correlations that speak the message okay one of the visions let's take Peter Peter sees this vision and he calls it a vessel and this vessel is like a sheet and it's square but it's it's like it's got braiding to it and um, it's something that can be It has to be of a very strong nature. 
because it is holding all of these animals. And some of these animals are obviously huge, and some of these are smaller, and some of these are wild animals. And there is this three-time experience, one, two, three, of that vessel descending and then ascending. Now, when we look at that and we look at the experience that Paul had, and we want to get into the number three, he said he was caught up into third heaven. So to get to third heaven, you would go through first heaven, second heaven, and then to third. One, two, three. This sheet was descending. Descend it once, descend it second time, descend it a third time. So you have a parallel there of the three, of this first ecstasy, second ecstasy, and the third ecstasy. At the same time, all of these, these function, all of these happenings have a depiction that are dualistic and that are multi-manifold expressions. For here we actually have a reveal of someone would call it an alien ship, a vessel, an alien ship. Alien from the sense that it's just not earth-made. It's not from earth. And it is depositing these animals. Well, when we understand from the manifest teachings, where we have talked and said that the ark was not capable of carrying all of the animals that would need it to be dispersed based on its measurement. Now, I have done math on it, and I have done considerable math, and, and, uh, and, and I have to agree with uh, some other uh, mathematicians who uh, have taken, you know, a body count of the animals that should be represented and how that there just would not be the space by the time you count the food and, and, and the other things that have to be there. But this was known all the time, and there was angels involved with this whole thing of the flood, which was not a flood that covered the earth with just water only, because a big part of the flood was actually like the Lawrence Ice, uh, ice Slide, which was just massive. And, and there was other ice slides like that that was part of the, part of the flood of ice and a flood of water. And, and this differentiated a lot of things about being able to understand the geology of the flood. But this, the angels were involved. They shut the door of the ark when it, was, when it was going to start raining. So they were involved, and they, they had, there was, there was these ziths, we call them, Z-Z-I-T-H-S, and they had these huge transport vessels. And they brought these, these animals, and some of them were wild and uh, some very difficult uh, uh, to handle except through the knowledge of superior mind. And they put these animals down. At the same time, there was another message, another message in that whole thing 
which correlated, and I'm going to close this in just a minute and let Jan take over, but which correlated to the 12th chapter of Second Corinthians experience that Paul had when he was caught up to third heaven and he heard words and experiences that were not lawful at the time for him to utter. Now, when we get into this law thing, we're going to see where there was a debate between Peter and Paul about a law thing. And it was very important because there was two different kinds of ministry there. One was the ministry of circumcision. The other was the ministry of anti-circumcision, so to speak. Janet Lee at the organ.
Thank you, Janet Lee. That is awesome. That butterfly is still flying. Wow. Okay. So here we go. Uh, let's uh, get right back into this uh, this very interesting, very interesting subject. Okay. So now let me go on with this. Okay. That the scripture for the trance that um, Peter had. Acts 10.10 10, and um, Acts 11.5. The trans for the, uh, trans for, um, the scriptures that Paul ha had, for the trance he had, Acts 22.17. Okay, now, let's, um, let's just, um, I told you about, and we read last week, about, the trance that Peter had with this um, vessel coming down, coming down three times. Let's just turn and read the, um, the scripture in Corinthians that, uh, that tells about um, the, uh, the trance that, uh, that Paul had because it's so very interesting. Okay, 12, uh, chapter uh, 12 of 2 Corinthians. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will glory, of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Now, What we have to understand about this and correlate about this, Paul is talking about being caught up to a place called Third Heaven. Now, with not too much study, but with a little bit of study, a person finds the scripture in the book of um, the four, of the uh, 14th chapter of the Gospel of St. John, <clears throat> verses 1 through 5. And Jesus talks about the Father's house. And I go away to prepare a place for you. Now, we know that this is not talking about the, um, the heaven of heavens, which is a spirit realm and it's utterly perfect, And where the unchangeable God abides. Because there is no such thing as there being changes there. And, and things that have to be prepared. It is always in a state of perfection. <clears throat> and we note that in the book of Revelations. That one day there is this gigantic spacecraft. That's miles and miles and miles wide. And it's built to be like a city. 
and it is descending from the cosmos, from the heavens. So we, we have clearly scripture in Revelation that talks about people living on the earth, living under the, under the waters, and living in the heavens, meaning physical places like planets. And a physical city that is coming down out of heaven, manufactured in a physical planet somewhere, and then coming down out of heaven. Now, years and years ago, I told about these ziths and how that some of them are shaped like pyramid. And they can, they can come together and lock into each other and fit in such a way that they become uh, sections that can make up a planetome or make up different shapes of different, uh, like maybe a satellite or whatever. <coughs> well, um, recently we've had Russia announce that they are putting up this huge satellite uh, and that um, it'll be shaped like a, a pyramid. So there are, ask, there are reasons mathematically uh, that have to do with uh, atmospheric resistance and, uh, and, uh, and a probe connection for the pyramidal uh, uh, shape. But we see that there's just all kinds of things getting ready to happen we are exponentially moving forth into the intellectual ideas of, of expansive creation at a rate that is almost unreasonable because the brains that are now on the earth can barely handle it. And their greatest maths at this point are having lots of problems putting some of these things together. But when we look at this experience of this paradise thing, what the story is there is the story of going up into space, being taken up into space. And it's also a story about the displacement of this word trance. In this word trance, a person saying, I, I, I can't tell. I, I, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. I don't know if if it was my mind figuring this out, if it was happening in my brain, or if it was something remote from me. I, I don't know how this was happening. Sounds like a person out of their wits. Aside from themselves. And yet there's this ecstasy and this awesomeness. Well, in that in that paradisical third heaven trip is this thing about the law, laws that cannot be spoken. Well, we have this thing between Peter and Paul. Paul tells the Gentile people they do not need to be circumcised. Peter is talking to the nation of Israel and the people that are 
the Jewish people, and he's saying you need to be circumcised. But one of the things right in the scripture, which I may not have time to cover that all today because too much I want to cover, right in the scripture, it shows that the meaning of those animals, in addition to, to, to referring to animals that were clean and unclean, it gives a very exact scripture and it says that that was also an example that anything that God made or any person that God made that he called clean was not common and was accepted by God. And that it could and did refer to human beings and different nations. So Paul has a meeting with Peter. And he says, I'm, I met him face to face and I challenged him. Because when he came to join us in our ministry, he would set off with these people who believed in the, the circumcision and separate him from the other Gentile people who were Christians but did not believe or did not feel needed to do the circumcision. And so... I challenged him and told him he was breaking the law of faith. So we see that in between this experience that Paul had and between the experience that Peter had, the subject of the law was definitely involved in a spiritual sense that had to do about what God could cleanse and what would be, clean, be considered clean if God cleansed it and had something to do with this ascending and descending, and with the number three on both of these visions. Now, when we start getting into this thing about the Father's house and about this other planet, we say, well, why, why would there be that? Well, there would be that because in John, St. John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Now, he was talking about the Abrahamic fold. Now, the Abrahamic fold not only included the Jews, the, the, you know, the, the, the Hebrew people, but it included many, many other nations, as we'll see as we get into all this teaching. Because that was part of the plan of, of, of the, the father bosom ministry of, of Abraham. But there was another group that was not part of that. Now, I ministered on this, but, but I just feel that it needs to be gone over because of this importance of this trip that we're taking on this Exodus escape. Now, the one prominent scripture that comes out is in Hebrews where Paul has this revelation that at one time must have not been lawful to even be uttered, in which he says, there's this Melchizedek. And there's not just an awful lot that's been known about him. But he's, he's righteous. And he's a king of righteousness. And he's without mother, without father, without brother or sister. He has no genealogy here on earth. Now we begin to understand that the Melchizedek thing is not under the Abrahamic covenant. It's, it is a covenant outside 
of the Abrahamic covenant. And that's when Jesus said, there are other sheep, not of this fold, not of the Abraham. And that's also why when Jesus said, when they were testing him with hard questions to, in the judgment hall, he said, before Abraham, I am, which immediately connected him to the Melchizedek aspect. Now, that did not mean that Jesus, in order to help the people that were in the Abrahamic covenant, did not come and take a body form that was of the Abraham offspring. Because just because you're in the Melchizedek covenant doesn't mean that, well, you have nothing to do then with the Abrahamic covenant, just the opposite. So then we see that we clearly have the other sheep and we clearly have this father house planet. And then we have two interesting things. We have the revelation from Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, there is the amazing thing that David wrote about that is spoken. And this is uh, Deuteronomy 33. And let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 3, or 1 through 2. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, <clears throat> The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir, S-E-I-R, under them. And he shined forth from Mount Paran. And he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand went a fiery law for them. Now we have a fiery law. We have a law that, Moses, that Paul said that he heard words that were not lawful to speak. And we, hear, we have here these terms that are very important to the ministry of Moses and to a really deep revelation. The Lord came from Sinai. We've got the Sinai, we got the Teman, we got the, the Paran, we've got Mount Seir. And he comes with tens of thousands of his saints from his right hand, went a fiery law for them. <coughs> now, when we look at that, what he said, we say, what in the world does that mean? He comes with tens of thousands of his saints. Now, David said that he received by the Spirit all the meaning of the, of the vessels and their weights and the scale of that and how they should be furnished and, and how they should be finished. And in the, the 68th chapter of the book of Psalms, he says this incredible thing. 68 verse 17. And the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. 
Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, and it received gifts from men. And in another place he goes on saying, Thou hast also ascended. So now we've got these chariots that the angels are in, called Ziths, and there's thousands of them. At the Mount Sinai place where Moses was involved, there was over 20,000 angels and craft that were hovering somewhere. And we're going to show that today. And they were hovering somewhere. And there, were, there was a ministry that was happening. Now, I think most people have no idea of how punctuated that the scripture is on some, some absolutely far out, absolutely incredible things. Because we have this story in the Bible, totally documented in, in scripture, that there is this cloud and by day it's a light and by night it's a flame, it's a fire. And it is up above the people, these 600 and some odd thousands of, of men that are soldiers representing the congregation and the children of Israel. And of course they have some servant type people, some, some worker type people that uh, would include some ladies and they would have some children, small children. But in the idea of children, we find that in the Bible term of children, that you're, a, you're, you're a, in the children class until you're 100 years old, according to Isaiah. And God calls, talks about the children of Israel, and that's including all of the old men, the old women, and, and all of the people of all ages. They're the children of Israel. So they're called children. So we have to be very careful when we try to make points about breaking up numbers and adding numbers to, to, to fit the scriptures when we don't really even know what the scriptures mean. But the point that we're getting at here is that there's all of these people that were being ministered to at Mount Sinai. And what was the story there? What was this connection between the two visions? Well, the connections with both of them had, had to do with vehicles. Had to do with vehicles. Had to do with vehicles that were not of this, of this earth world. And it comes from the book of Deuteronomy of Moses. And then David carries it on. And it's interesting when we start talking about the Sila place, which is called the city of, Pe of, of, of Petra. And most people have no idea, you know, when I was preaching last week about there being two Sinai's and two covenants, but there was also two Sila, two Sila cities. And, and one was the great Sila and the other was the little Sila. And we're going to get into a whole bunch of the, that kind of stuff and, and, and the substantiation for it. We, sh we most likely will not be able to finish this subject today, but we're just going to keep going because we want you to really get it down and really understand it because it's awesome. 
we want to show you that <clears throat> this place of Sila <clears throat> is indeed unique. There was a period of over 500 years when the Western world didn't even know it existed. And now it's one of the seventh wonders of the world. Well, how does that connect to all of this? How does that have to do with all of this? Well, it connects everything together. From Moses to David, Peter, Paul, Jesus, the last chapter, the last verse of the book of Luke, the Bible says the angels separated Jesus from the, the disciples, and then they took him and they carried him away, obviously in a space vehicle. This thing about the cloud. This cloud is incredible. It was, it was obviously, we can show that the word cloud actually can mean a space vehicle. But it is in a form of disguise. So that the enemy looking on cannot look up there and see 20,000 ziths flying up over this group of people. They see clouds and they, they think, oh yeah, this cloudy, cloudy day. But if they really had watched carefully and were able to really from a distance remotely watch the thing that w had to do with this cloud. And now this is in the Bible. I want you to get this. The Bible said that the people of Israel followed the cloud and the cloud was led, was involved with angels. And if the cloud stopped, the Bible says, the whole mass army of Israel stopped. And if the cloud did not move, day one went by, day two went by, they stayed there. They just and basically abode in their tents. Then it says that sometimes they might have to stay there for weeks. They might have to stay there for weeks and it not move. Sometimes it says it could be months that they would not move. That they wherever they were, the cloud would be stationary and it would not move. Weeks could go by, months could go by. In fact, it says that up to a year, it's right in the Bible, up to a year that the cloud could stop and the people could not move. They could not go forward up the road for up to a year. They would tarry and wait for the cloud to move and only when the cloud moved, whether it was two days, weeks, months, or a year, only when the cloud moved could they move. Now this is so important a message to people outside of this very deep spiritual word. It's such an important message to people about not getting over anxious in your expectations 
for how God is supposed to do something for you or not do something. And so Jesus, so perfectly understanding that, in the book of Luke, he says to his disciples, go to Jerusalem and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power of the Holy Ghost. And if they went there immediately after his crucifixion and his resurrection, there could be quite a bit of time before that thing of the meeting place was put together and they had the day of Pentecost that people would have to be there and tarry. And, and so it goes along with that scripture. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now you get into that Sith thing. Now you get into that sub-consciousness mode, sub-addition. Now you come to the very, very edge where you could have a trance experience. And the wits of your mind and the way you normally think and how you normally figure and how you normally expect and how you are fussy about how long something takes is totally terminated as you get into this divine will of God. And you understand if the angel doesn't move, you will not move. One time when the army of Israel that were on this march in the Exodus escape, they came into the land of some of these other people like the Amorites and they saw all the riches and so forth that they had and they lusted for that. So they got a group of army together and without getting it clarified, without remembering that the Bible says that the angel will go before you and as long as you don't disobey, and as long as you don't become rebellious, as long as you follow the leading of the Lord through his angels, through the presence of the Lord, then God will go before you and your enemies will be his enemies and he will make a way for you. But if you move without the Spirit's acknowledgement and agreement, then you'll be on your own. Well, that's exactly what they did. They went out and they decided to go and, and, and war against these people and be able to take over some of the things they were lusting for. And they got beat. And they lost a lot of, a lot of lives. So when they came back, they were just really felt sorrowful and pitiful. And of course, then they were well told off by the ministry. So they had to wait and tarry until it would be the time that God would say, okay, now you can go and you can fight and I will go before you. And then <clears throat> when that happened, when that happened, they defeated the enemy. God's talking to his people today to, that they need to tarry at Jerusalem. They need, to, they need to have a holy place, a holy 
thing that they are obligated to. <clears throat> Once it's written in the Bible, and this was spoken by, Paul, uh, by uh, Moses, and Moses said, don't ever forget the Levite. Don't ever forget or forsake them. Because the Levi represented the, the ministry. It represented the church. And God said, that is a major thing. And you need to tarry in your patience, waiting upon the Lord for how God is going to move in the priesthood, how God is going to move in the prophethood, how God is going to move with signs and wonders. You have to be willing to tarry. But on that day, when there was those people that were tarrying before God, and they had been tarrying for a while, as they were tarrying, thoughts began to come into their mind. Well, why is this taking so long? Why isn't anything happening? Jesus said, if we tarried, we've been tarrying here. And then someone says, I know what's wrong. He said, what is it? Well, we're, we don't have the 12 disciples anymore. Judas is dead. And he, he betrayed Jesus. And now we're supposed to replace and have another disciple to replace him. So we have the fullness of, of the disciples, the fullness of the ministry, the fullness of the apostlehood. They said, oh my God, how could we have not thought of that? So they went and they used what I call the Yerman Thummim to select another person to take the place, of the, to take the bishop, bishop uh, place of Judas. Now things were warming up. There was an angel standing by, and the angel would have cared to use that human fun method and say, well, you're getting warmer. Oh, you're getting closer now. Oh, you're getting closer. You're getting warmer. Keep tarrying. You're getting closer. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. You're closer to the holy spot. Keep it up. And people begin to get on their knees and really praying unto God. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus could not come and Mary, the mother of Jesus, could not come and did not come until the fullness of time was fulfilled for them to come. And when the fullness of time was fulfilled for them to come, then they could come. And you have to understand in your Christian life and in your spiritual life that there are things that are waiting on fulfillments. There are all kinds of scriptures that the Bible says this was done so that the scripture spoken by Isaiah or the scripture spoken by Jeremiah or the scripture spoken by Hosea could be fulfilled. There are things that have to be fulfilled. And people wonder why sometimes they do not feel fulfilled. It's because they are not following the law that brings fulfillment. And there are times that you can say things and reveal things, and there are times that you are not to say things and reveal things. And Paul understood that. I heard things not lawful to utter. And 
And so these things are critical and they are important and they're beautiful. Now, as we think about this whole thing of the sila and we and and which is the the revelation of of Petra, the revelation of the mountain of the Lord, and many other things. It is not to ever be taken lightly. Now first, before we get into the deep of that, let's just breeze over a few places. Last week we talked about the duplicities in the Bible. Two great lights, the moon, the sun, Genesis 1, 16. Genesis 25, 23, two nations in, the, in thy womb. The breastplate with two rings of gold, two tablets of testimony, Exodus thirty-one eighteen, two cherubim, with the you know it talked about in in different places, Numbers seven eighty-nine, and Luke seventeen thirty-four and through thirty-six, and a whole bunch of other scriptures I gave last week. I don't want to repeat all of those. So there are points of intersection between the physical world and the virtual world and the spiritual world that has to do in the the mind realm area. Whether we're in the spirit mind or in the physical mind. Whether we're in the animal mind or the spiritual mind. And the Bible tells us in Galatians that there are two covenants There's two Mount Sinai's, two Zions. And that thick darkness that seems to be out there sometimes, and you think, oh, that's too deep for me. That's just too complicated. The Bible says the thick darkness is where God is, Exodus 20, 21. And so then we talked about this call. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. And the thing of the pillar clouds and all these transport things that I was talking to you about and how that this sheet involved like a parachute and there was a vessel involved with that whole thing that was in the in the vision that Peter had. And we talked about the fires, the flames, but I won't get into that just right this minute again. I want to move on to this thing of the Petra, the Sila. Petra, Sila, is called a rose red city because of the color of the rocks. And it's interesting that it is at this very site that the rock of Mirabah and there's actually two different places of the of of Mirabah. And the Israelites committed the same kind of sin at both places. 
And so when we talk about, like we did the other week, about Moses being taken up in a swoon, there are places in the Bible where someone is said to be dead. There are several places. But the Bible then later declares, well, they're not really dead, not in the way you think of death. They're actually sleeping. That was what Jesus said about Lazarus. And there was other cases, like with Elisha, when someone, when they had accidentally dug into where his body was, and they put another body down in a in a, in a uh, haste, and when it touched the bones of Elisha, that person came back to life. So there's this thing about being earth dead, but still actually being alive, even even physically. So when they say that Jesus died on the cross, you know, for just a few seconds, there was truth in that. When the spirit left the body, when the Bible says Jesus gave up the body because he says, no man can take my life from me. The son of man lays down his life and he takes it up again. So, there was that point at which they called it death. And it, there was a moment of death there. Because that was part of the gift of eternal life through Jesus over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victim? What state is it in? Time and place. And when Moses dies and becomes earth dead, and when it talks about being buried in the valley of the land of Moab, that just means that at that mountain where Moab went, where they, uh, pardon me, Moses went up to die, that at that location was where what they write here is burial because they don't know what other word to carry to, to cover it from the from the words written but that's where he was just put into this con confine and zithed away to the swoos in Artura or as we call it the father's house there is so much there is so much. Well, what is the role of the, the city of Petra? Well, who would ever imagine that in the Song of the Solomon, chapter 2, 1 through 2, where it says, I am the rose of Sharon, as the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Could that have anything to do with Sila, with Petra, with one of the two? Does that have anything to do with this mount that's called the Holy Mount that's down in those, those areas? Well, of course it does. Well, how do we know that? Because in the 14th verse 
of the Song of the Solomon, chapter 2. It says, O my dove, thou art in the cliffs of the, T-H-E, rock, in the secret place of the stairs. So he connects this thing of the Rose of Sharon with the cliffs of the rock, the secret place in the stairs. The stairs that Jacob saw that were like a lattice ladder and angels were ascending and descending. And the scripture goes on and says in Song of Solomon 2.17, Until the day break and the shadows flee away, turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountain of Bether. Now, that is spelled two different ways. It's spelled B-E-T-H-E-R, and it's also spelled B-I-T-H-R-O-N. And when you compare that to 2 Samuel 2, 29, and Song of Solomon 2, 17, and you talk about these mountains of Bether, it means... Mountains of division. Not division like in a confusion ways, but twins of the spirit. Dual, dualistic aspects. The double meanings of things. Now, as we boil this down, and I just want to, I'm going to give this presentation here before I close. This is so important. I've had people say to me, you, you, you put this thing on Sela and you spell it S-E-L-A-H. And that's a musical term. And the correct spelling for the Petra is S-E-L-A. But actually, in Second Kings 14.7, Spelling of the rock is S-E-L-A-H. For those of you that, that think that there's not more than one way to spell the word Sela. And we talked about last week how that there are three groups when the children of Israel got out there and they were headed, headed toward Kadesh. There's three groups out in those territories. The, the Amorites, the Moabites, and the Edomites. The Edomites were the offspring of Esau. The Moabites and the Amorites were both the offspring of Lot, of his two daughters. And Lot, of course, was attended to by Abraham, who was a close relative, and was spared from the destruction at Sodom and Gomorrah. And then, as a result of all of that and the desperateness of it, he is, has the offspring of these Amorites and these Moabites and so they've got all these three kinds of groups together 
that are out there, and they're not very easy to deal with as far as the Israelites are concerned. So scholars have said this concept about Selah being the special meeting place could never have happened because the Edomites, who had control of that area, would clearly in the Bible would not let those people of, of Moses go through the highway and through that land. So that proves it to be false. Well, that's just people that don't know what they're talking about. That's people that don't know the Bible. Because in Numbers 20, 15 through 18, it says, The angel has led us forth out of Egypt, and behold, we are in Kadesh. And Kadesh is another word that means, and get this, it's another word that means the rock city, Petra, Sila. So they were already in the rock city because I taught way back that there was this division and there was these five divisions of, of the people and there was only a portion of them that went as an army across the wilderness. They divided up, and I, I don't want to get into that. I want to finish this next week. But they were already there at the, at, at, the, at the rock area. They were already there. It says it right here. And then they were wanting permission to go down the Kadesh Highway and go down the, the, this, other, this other highway to, to, to finish what it, he, Moses had been told by God. They were then to go on toward Bashan and to all these different other areas and, 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 uh, and, uh, which was still on this side of Jordan and were, were, were to uh, destroy the enemy. So, ladies and gentlemen, this fire, this flame that came over the rock city absolutely has Bible backing, but we're running out of time. And we're going to complete, com go back into this. A whole lot of really incredible things. Janet Lee at the organ.